Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of Objective Health. I am your host today, Elliot, and it's just going to be me and Doug who are hosting this week's show. So welcome, Doug. Hello. We also have Damien with us on the Wheels of Steel. Hello. And so today it's a bro show. And for that, it's going to be an app topic. We are going to be talking about the infiltration of male to female transsexuals or trans identifying people into women's sport and the destruction of women's sport. So this comes off the back of some recent news. There was a, a, a championship at the NCAA. That's basically the national collegiate of academic association. I believe it's like the largest uh, college slash university uh, athletics championship. And they host lots of different, um, different s- sport competitions. And, uh, and this week there was, there's a lot of controversy actually, because we have a biological male who has entered into the female um, swimming competition, 500 meter competition and has won the award. So there's a lot of uh, talk about this online in the media, uh, questions as to whether this is fair uh, for women, whether this is kind of athletically sound, let's say, or whether this is a major unfair advantage. So to give you a little bit of overview, this particular individual now identifies as Leah Thomas, um, but this is a, a biological male who still has his male genitalia in place um, and has, uh, I believe, over the past 32 months, 36 months maybe, has been taking testosterone-lowering medication, so HRT. So whilst this individual identifies as a woman, um, for all purposes, is, is biologically still a male and still has a lot of the evidence to show that. Um, now, this particular individual has been competing against females um, and has won the award. Now, this individual had also uh, broken, I believe, two women's records uh, in the last year. I believe in 2021, he broke some records in terms of how fast he won the swimming match. There was one swimming event. I believe it, it was in one of the run-up competitions. Uh, he essentially demolished his female competitors uh, by about 40 seconds in the, in the, in the one race. So huge. looking at this guy, he is, um, or she, depending, I guess that's how she identifies, but ultimately Leah Thomas is large. Let's say, I believe he's, she, I believe it stands at six foot two <laughs> and, um, and he's very, and he's very broad as well. So anyone looking at this, looking at a picture of this individual compared to female competitors can see immediately that there is a significant physical advantage. Um, And I believe that uh, this individual also previously, prior to transitioning, was was also competing uh, in in male athletics as a swimmer. And the, um, the rank prior to transitioning to a woman or identifying as a woman 
was in the in the mid 400s. So this individual was nowhere near the top of his game before he started identifying his female. All of a sudden, he identifies this female, takes some HRT, testosterone-lowering drugs, and all of a sudden, he is then creme de la creme, top of his game, first place in the women's uh, in, in the women's competition. What do you think about that, Doug? Well, personally, I think it's um, cheating. Like, just straight up, you know, this it's not just happening in the swimming competition either. I mean, it's like it's happening all over the place. Uh, runners and swimmers, like you mentioned, uh, bike riders, cyclists, I guess you would call them. Um, what do you have in the background there? Uh, handball? Um, yeah, I'd like to introduce you to uh, an individual named Hannah, Hannah Mouncey. Uh, as you can see, if I just move out of the way, this uh, Hannah Mouncey is an extremely competent handball player. As you can see, Hannah Mouncey uh, is a fairly large individual and doesn't have a problem overpowering other female competitors in handball. Turns out Hannah Mouncey is biologically male, but started identifying as female a couple of years ago and began to excel in the sport that they now play. And uh, yeah. I mean, when you think about it, it's like, why why did they start doing separate categories for male and female athletes? You know, why did they do that in the first place? Why not like, just have everybody kind of compete against each other? Well, it's obvious because there is a distinct biological advantage for men. Men in, I can't think of a sport where men don't have a biological advantage over women. That's why they always divide everything. You know, there's always a men's tournament and a women's tournament in the Olympics and in everything, you know, growing up in school, you got boys teams and girls teams. Like there's a reason for that. Um, because, and you know, just as happenstance by nature, men have greater muscle density, greater bone density. Like there's just so many different, biological advantages like across the board so to just kind of turn around and say that um a person who has just decided that they're a woman um should be able to compete against other women it just kind of throws those categories into nothing it's like well why do we have categories at all then it, it just doesn't seem to make any sense i mean the whole reason for them is that women couldn't compete with the men you know you would never have world champions in any sport um who are women ever so it just makes sense that you would therefore have categories for men and categories for women. So, yeah, it, I mean, it just on, on the face of it, it just seems really silly to me to, to the idea that you would let someone who has this biological advantage um, compete against women. It's just obviously, and what we see happening is that they're dominating. They're dominating the sports, you know, in, in running, in, in uh, swimming. It's like it, all you see is like, you know, all these trans athletes being uh, championed because, oh, they, they just broke this record in the women's this or that. It's it, it just it, it's almost comedic. Well, it is comedic. But if people weren't being affected by this, I mean, it, it seems to me that it's just very unfair to female athletes. Yeah, indeed. Um, just some of the other biological advantages that males have. Um, give you an overview. Both sexes have what are called anabolic hormones. 
anabolic hormones are responsible for bone density, for muscle uh, building, for strength, for agility. They're generally going to be one of the things that differentiates the male physique from the female physique. And we know that males have uh, a larger frame. They have, again, greater bone density. They're generally taller. They're generally faster. They're stronger. They've got greater grip strength. They've got higher levels of red blood cells. They've got uh, completely different brains. Um, there are so many differences. Uh, one of the differences that is most pronounced is the level of testosterone that typically sits in the blood. So for an average woman, it might sit anywhere from between, if I remember the correct ter- correct numbers, I think it's 0.2 to 2.5 nanomoles of testosterone. And that's, that's, that's the normal range for a female. For a male, it's anywhere between 10 and 35, right? So 10 is very low for a male. You want to be ideally 28 to 35, even higher. You can have males that have higher levels of testosterone, particularly athletes, uh, you know, in the 40s even. So that's, that's, that's at least 10 times more. Sometimes it might be 20 times more. And you think growing up, you you have a, a kind of surge of testosterone. You have a higher levels of testosterone throughout childhood, but you get surges in testosterone beginning around puberty, and that is lasting for you know several 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 years. So if we have two, if we have an individual who has had twenty years or fifteen years of very high levels of testosterone exposure. What that that is going to do is shape their frame, give them certain physical advantages over women um, that women can never really achieve naturally. Okay, even unnaturally, it's going to be very difficult for a woman to be able to achieve that those level of anabolic hormones. And that's really just the way that we are designed. Now, the interesting thing is, is that a couple of years ago, I believe it was the NCAA and the um, and the Olympics and, and several other kind of national, international sporting bodies, athletics associations, which what they've tried to do is they've tried to come up with ways by which a, a male who has transitioned or who identifies as a female can then get on kind of a level playing field, so to speak, with the competing women so that they can start participating in a women's championship. So one of the ways in which they measure that is actually by the levels of testosterone. That means a male has to take anti-testosterone therapies. That could be various different things that artificially lower their levels of testosterone so that they fall within the same range or a normal range, which you would find in women. Okay. The problem is there are, numerous issues with that way of looking at things the people who support this idea will say that if if a male goes on anti-testosterone therapy they get their levels down to a typical female range then everything should be equalized and that these males or these now trans females have no physical advantage over women and that that, that it's completely anti-truth it's it's completely false because the long-term effects of testosterone in terms of growing the frame, in terms of growing the physique, the muscles, the bones, that does not change after the testosterone becomes lower. You know, just going on anti-testosterone therapy for 30 months or so. You know, one of the recent um, 
like legislations or rules was that you had to have low testosterone levels for at least 36 months before that. Okay. So you go on anti-testosterone therapy for three years. It's said that your muscle mass is only going to reduce by about 5% per year. Okay. 5% per year, which really isn't that much. If you look at the differences in muscle mass between males and females, males have significantly greater than females do. So 5% each year, that's going to be a, a maximum, say 15% that a male loses after the 36 years of going on anti-testosterone therapy. But even then, if we factor in other considerations apart from muscle mass, bone density, height, um, you know, frame, width, like these things do not change. Okay. They don't change. And the fact is, I mean, someone would have to be kind of psychotic to believe that a, a male is going to be physically equal to a woman. So, so it, it, really it's, it's absolutely bizarre. It seems like they are kind of collectively gaslighting uh, the human race in, in saying this when anyone who simply looks with their own eyes can see, I mean, the guy in my picture right here, Hannah Mouncey, is by no means equivalent to the women who he's, who, 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 he's, who he's playing against. And anyone who says that he is, is trying to deceive your own eyes, right? I mean, they go off the narrative that this is an oppressed group, right? And that therefore they deserve special circumstances. Um, I mean, there's all kinds of things wrong with that perspective, um, but yeah, I mean, like we've been saying, it's just on the face of it. There was one um, particularly egregious situation where a <clears throat> an MMA fighter called Fallon Fox, who is uh, male to female uh, transsexual, um, is again dominating the sport because you know he's fighting women. Um, and has broken two different opponent's skulls, I believe. Um, and I mean, you know, kind of at that point, it's like, it's one thing if you're like, you know, in a running race or a swimming thing. I mean, you know, there's lots wrong with that too. But in this situation, you actually have what's essentially a biological man beating the shit out of women in a, a match. You know, it's like an audience is going to pay to go watch a man beat up women. Uh I don't understand how anybody can think that that is okay, that that's an okay thing. I mean, I'm pretty sure that that was considered abuse for a long time. Um, but all of a sudden, you know, it's because the, the, the person has had some surgery that suddenly it's okay. It really, it's, it's kind of disturbing, actually. Uh, you're muted, Elliot. Sorry. What's worse is that this trans MMA fighter was named the bravest athlete in history. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. A male MMA fighter going in and fighting a female, you know, a bunch of female uh, MMA fighters is brave. Like, I would, I consider that to be basically cowardly. Indeed. Yeah, indeed. We have the uh, a, a weightlifter. Olympic level weightlifter, Laurel Hubbard, apparently. Now, this particular individual pre-transition um, was lifting weights. So he had lifted weights uh, during the time that he was a male after 
changing or transitioning to female, then went on to the Olympics, did very well. And I believe since has broken some of the women's world records, right? So we have uh, essentially for those who just want the reality of this situation, we have a guy who lift weights, lifts weights and is relatively mediocre. He decides he wants to be female, goes through some kind of a transition. His body type doesn't really change whatsoever. And then he goes on to win multiple women's weightlifting championships. And at the same time, is then, you know, sent to the Olympics and wins medals for that as well. Right. And so we have, on the other hand, we have women who are training their asses off, excuse my French, but are training so hard to compete. And yet they are being absolutely blown away. They have zero chance of competing against these individuals. Because, I mean, there, there was a, a, an analysis which was looking at many of the, uh, the NCAA champions or the, the Olympic champions, and they were looking at multiple kind of like branches, branches of athletics, swimming, track, etc. And what they found was that even the gold medalist females, right, the gold medalists would only rank around in the mid-500s in terms of compared to their male competitors. So let's put it this way. If you were, if you, if you performed at a certain level as a, as a female and you, you would be gold medalist, you'd be better than anyone else in that championship and anyone else in that competition. Yet, if you competed against males at the same level that you were previously performing at, you wouldn't even be in the top 500. Like, what does that say? I mean, it just says the obvious. We shouldn't even have to have this spelled out. I mean, so some of the articles and, and the debates about this, there's there's comments about how scientific studies suggest that, you know, males might have physical advantages. It's like, do you seriously need a scientific study to show you that? I mean, anyone who needs a scientific study to show them that is, is, is I, I don't even know how to explain, like how to explain those kinds of people. You know, the fact is, this should be obvious. This was known. This is the whole entire reason why, like you said at the start of the show, Doug, males compete against males and females compete against females. It's really quite simple. It doesn't take a scientific study to prove it, but there's no. many. Right? It's just basic biology. Yeah. So what we see here is, again, it, this is not just limited to, to athletics, though, is it? It's because we're seeing it infiltrate its way into athletics. But I mean, we've spoken about this on the show and there's many others who've, who've given this lots of attention. It's this under, underlying kind of ideology, which has actually crept its way into many aspects of our life now. So for instance, the continuing ongoing debate uh, about um, transgender uh, uh, toilets, for instance, or, or in the US you call them bathrooms, right? So should people of the opposite sex who identify as a female, let's say if you're a male and you identify as a female, should you be able to use the same changing rooms and same bathroom as the females simply because you identify that way? If you're a biological male, should you be able to go into a female's locker room, for instance? Well, 
there's many international agencies in the UK, in the US, across the world, particularly in Europe, where they have said that that is perfectly fine. In fact, they support that. And they say that it doesn't matter what biological sex you were born as, it only matters how you identify. And what we've seen is a lot of backlash against this. Some of it's been successful. A lot of it hasn't, unfortunately. And we've seen cases where we have uh, parents of children. We have children themselves, young girls, you know, as young as five years old, who are anxious, who are rightly scared um, that there are biological males, sometimes a lot older than them, in the locker rooms, um, you know, getting undressed, watching the, the, the women get undressed or the, the girls get un- undressed, and they don't feel safe with that. And you've had parents who have rightly complained about that situation and said that this is absolutely uh, insane that we're allowing this. And the authorities, what do the authorities say? Well, they say, no, actually, uh, you. this is a transphobic stance to take. And actually, um, the reason why we are upholding these rules is because it makes trans people feel anxious. You know, having to use the locker room of their biological sex makes them feel anxious, makes them feel as though their identity is being attacked. You know, makes them feel as though other people do not accept them for who they are. And therefore, what we're going to do is we're going to, you know, we're going to tear down all of the previous old kind of rules in terms of, you know, who uses which locker rooms and we're going to start distributing it. And we see that, unfortunately, last point, unfortunately, I think we've covered this on the show as well. Over this past year, we've seen numerous cases where sexual predators have been caught either spying on women, have been caught trying to abuse women, trying to abuse girls sometimes successfully through uh, claiming that they identify as women, they have the ample opportunity, perfect opportunity to go in and commit crimes against, against vulnerable females. Yeah. There's a, a, a pretty big problem in prisons right now, actually, where in women's prisons, you have men who are identifying as women. Um, a lot of times being put away for sex crimes and suddenly they're in a population of isolated females. Um, it's a recipe for disaster. Of course it is. You know, anybody with uh, two firing neurons can like figure that out. But I mean, you were right when you said before, Elliot, that this is um, gaslighting because that's essentially what it is. What <clears throat> what we're be ex- being expected to do is to acknowledge somebody's fantasy, right? Where basically you have a person who is deciding that they are no longer the sex that they were born with. And they expect that Everyone, all of society, all institutions will also recognize this thing. Now, I'm not, you know, I, I do have like somewhat of a libertarian streak in me. And I do think that people, if they really want to do this kind of thing, then they, by all means, go to it. You want to <clears throat> convert yourself to um, the opposite gender, like, go for it. Um, it doesn't really affect me that much, except that. It, it, what, what's happening now is that it is starting to affect me and it's starting to affect other people because once you go from I'm going to do this because I want to do it because I feel it's necessary to everyone else has to acknowledge that I am now of the other gender. Um, you're asking the like all of society to, to play your game, um, to play your fantasy, essentially. So 
And, you know, it's it's all well and good when somebody's like, well, okay, let's just indulge this person for a little while. But at this point, it's really affecting other people's lives. Um, I mean, even setting aside the criminal aspect of it, um, just in athletics, uh, what you have here is very promising uh, female athletes who are having their whole lives kind of taken off track because they can't compete, right? Somebody who, who's been training their whole life to be, say, a runner or something like that is no longer able to do that because now they're expected to compete against men. Um, I mean, a lot of commentators have been saying this is the death of, uh, of female sports. And even though a lot of people are saying they're being hyperbolic and, uh, you know, sensationalist, it really is that. If we take this to its logical conclusion, I mean, just look at, like, say, the Olympics, right? If now that the Olympics are allowing biological men to compete as females, um, <clears throat> excuse me, then, of course, every country is going to do that because every country wants to take home the gold and they're going to have their female athletes are going to be a severe disadvantage if they don't have uh, transsexual women um, competing. So that's basically the entire Olympics that no longer has a women's category or they have a women's category, but it's 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 filled with biological men. So, you know, and any feminists who rightly complain about this are... Um, labeled as TERFs, trans-exclusionary radical feminist, which is uh, considered to be a derogatory term. Although, you know, if I think if I was in that category, I'd probably embrace it. Um, so yeah, basically just, you know, anybody who, who's, who's kind of rightly calling this out is being called a bigot um, and being shouted down and smeared and attacked. And yeah, there's a, there's a number of, um, different incidents that have happened with people who, who are basically being attacked, um, sometimes physically, uh, for holding this view and saying, wait, hold up a second. This isn't, this isn't fair. Or not only that it's not fair, but you know, why are we letting men into what have always traditionally been female only spaces like change rooms, like, you know, locker rooms, bathrooms, um, you know, even, uh, the girl guides, um, you know, that's, that's, a strictly women's only group, but now they're saying that um, they can have their uh, counselors or their leaders can be uh, trans. And I think you were telling me this actually, Elliot, that um, they just passed some rule that they don't have to tell the parents if there's a, um, a previously male counselor, for lack of a better term. Yeah, I think they were campaigning for it to be against the law to uh, have to to have to disclose that to parents. Yeah. So, so in other words, you can have, uh, you know, 25 year old biological male who simply identifies as a female. They may have all of their genitalia. They may not have undergone any surgery. For all you know, they could have been male one day and the next day just decided that they wanted to be female. I mean, that that's how kind of loose this definition is. And according to how they identify, well, um, what, that would mean is that then they could become a uh, a counselor or a, you know like um someone who oversees the guides meetings and this is young girls young girls for the most part uh, and could go on residential trips with them stay in the same dorm rooms and um uh, you know the parents would not be able to find out there's no way that they would know and i think the the probably the a large portion of parents would be very concerned about that and i think rightly so because, you know, historically, um, you know, although not every male, I mean, only a very a fraction of males are, you know, sexual predators. But 
there are rules in place for a very specific reason. And it's very, it's ironic because the people who are, who are basically campaigning for this kind of thing, who have managed to worm their way into academia, who've managed to worm their way into these institutional positions who make these, um, these rules and then enforce them onto the rest of the population. Uh, these kind of individuals claim that they are doing this in the name of equality, right? So the overall concept, uh, according to them at least, is that if a tran- trans male to female identifies as female, then it is uh, bigoted and transphobic of us to say that they are not female, right? Like you said, it's engaging in the fantasy and there's not necessarily any issue with, with that. You know, if they want to be referred to as she and things, then that's perfectly fine. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, what, what that essentially means is, is that, uh, where was I? Yeah, no. Okay. So, so these people, they, they do it in the name of equality, right? They, 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 they ideally think that um, if someone feels that they are female, then they should be able to participate against other, other females and to force them to do anything else is to deny them of their human rights, right? That's, that's how far they will take this. So, okay. Um, the problem is, is that they are not taking into consideration or in fact, they are um, it doesn't seem as though they, they care about the rights of anyone else, right? It seems as though it's trans rights only that are taking, pre- uh, you know, taking the priority here because females, like you said, and, and, and the college system in the US is interesting. We don't necessarily get this kind of thing in the UK, but, um, but obviously in the US, uh, c- college athletics is massive. It's, it's really, really, really big. And it's actually one of the main ways in which some people who aren't from, from very affluent families or who aren't particularly necessarily academically gifted manage to get into good quality universities with very good scholarships. Uh, in fact, it's what some people rely on to go to college. There was a case, and this is quite a, a well-known case, of a, of a, a runner who had gone on, basically she's a very competent athlete who trained for several years, I believe even since she was, you know, five or six years old, she'd been training. She's very good. I think she was doing like track and field or it was some, some kind of a, uh, you know, running competition or something that she was involved in anyway. So she, she had described how she had lost five times in some very important races to biological males. And if you look at some of these videos, you see how uh, oftentimes the biological males absolutely destroy the females in terms of their ability to 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 do a hundred meter sprint or something like that. So um so this particular uh, individual she had been um, actually got her got her 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 story onto Fox News and and there's big campaigns and and she's spoken out against this and her parents have have kind of tried to form a national kind of. Uh, community support for this in that what they're saying is that she lost the opportunity to go to university. She couldn't afford to go. And ultimately what it meant was, was that biological females would take the places of the scholarship that she would ordinarily, or she should have gotten. So what we see is that uh, 
you know, if you look at the overall demographic of who's getting the scholarships in terms of athletics, we see that it's moving towards a male-dominated situation, which oftentimes is is exactly the opposite to what these uh, you know these activists claim that they they want. I mean, this is what's so ironic about it. They claim that they're for that they are uh, you know feminists. They claim that they are for equality. They claim that they are kind of anti-patriarchy. But what they're actually doing is they are destroying women's rights in doing so. And the people who are benefiting this from this are biological males. Uh, it's really ironic how that's kind of played out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even I mean, just looking at um, USA Today named Rachel Levine who some of you may know is the uh, transsexual woman in uh, Joe Biden's cabinet. Um, what is she, the health secretary or something like that? Um, yeah. Yeah. So you've basically got even even men are now going to start to dominate the women of the year category in multiple publications, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Uh, it's it's really bizarre, and you would think that if anyone had a, had a brain, they would be able to see that this one, it wasn't fair. Two, that you know this was not kind of promoting equality. This is actually decimating decimating equality. What this is essentially doing is it's you know it's it's uh, it's allowing biological males to dominate in multiple arenas. It's potentially facilitating you know sexual abuse in some cases, physical abuse, which we know has happened. I'm not saying every case is, is like this, but, you know, it is an avenue for those types to infiltrate. Yeah, um, it happens. And so these are these are major issues. And I think that anyone, you know, who's is looking at the situation objectively can see that this is frankly, I mean, it's frankly insane what's happening. Um, and how, how can we, how can we explain it? Well, I think what we need to do is 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 look at the actions, look at the outcome of the actions uh, of these kinds of policies, you know. And I think that that can give us greater insight into what the people who are pushing these policies actually want to see, you know, because they might claim that they're just trying to level the playing field. They might claim that they're doing it to, you know, protect human rights and whatnot. But what it seems like is that 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 that's not what's happening. And it, it very much stinks of, of of ideology, and the ideology is um, is very much um, causing causing kind of widespread problems. And it seems as though um, it's 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 not it's not it's not it's not about what its stated aims are. I think when you dig a little bit deeper, what they're looking to do is overthrow the entire system of gender. They're trying to overthrow the entire system of biological reality. I think at deepest level, these people do not believe, or they have some kind of inherent pathology whereby uh, they, they, they think that their beliefs, what they, their fantasies that they project onto reality are more, are, are more real than reality itself, right? Yeah. The, the, the entire concept of an objective reality is, is a myth to these people. They think it's a theory and, and, and actually, you know, they, they're really mentally ill when you, when you dig into it, this, the kind of, you know, the, the, the kind of ideology that, that underlies this is, is, is very deranged and is very unhealthy way of looking at the world. Yeah. And unfortunately we have the majority of mainstream media outlets who have adopted this 
and <laughs> educational systems who have adopted this. And they're kind of foisting this on our children. And it's very unfortunate because children being the sponges that they are, uh, don't have the kind of critical thinking capability to see this as the kind of dangerous ideology that it is at its core. And really what this does is it is, is it is, is trying to destroy or it's acting to destroy traditional kind of Christian values, tra- morals, uh, you know, everything that kind of binds society together. Uh, I think at some level, the people who are driving this thing, um, they, they want to tear that down, tear down the entire social fabric. And it's working. It's very much working, I think, to a large extent. And if it carries on, then... Um, then I think it will be successful if it carries on going this way. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, do you have anything else that you want to add, Doug? Um, no, I think we've covered it. Okay. Um, so, yeah, yeah, if that's everything, everything. thanks for tuning into this week's show. And um, if you like this video, please like it and share it. And we will see you next week. Stay Bye, everybody. Tuned. Yeah.